What's up, hardcore humans? Welcome to another episode of Season 3 of the Hardcore Humanism Podcast. Today we are talking with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee Ann Wilson of the legendary band Heart. We had the pleasure of talking with Ann's sister Nancy during Season 2, so we are thrilled to be talking with the other member of Heart's iconic duo. Heart has given us so many enduring hit songs like Barracuda, Magic Man, Crazy On You, These Dreams, and Alone. Anne also has a long-standing solo career. Her latest album, Fierce Bliss, dropped just last week and includes the single Greed. Anne will be embarking on a North American tour starting in June, so check out Anne's website, annwilson.com, to buy the album, tickets, and merchandise. Now, in the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program, our goal is to empower you to find and achieve your purpose so that you can lead a fulfilling and authentic life. On the Hardcore Humanism Podcast, we talk with artists such as Anne who have overcome obstacles as they pursue their authentic life so that we can learn from their experience as we embark on our own purpose-driven journey. And one of the most painful and devastating emotions we can experience in our lives is emptiness. Feeling like there's nothing to work with, there's nothing to build on. We just feel hollow inside, like we have no value. And so, when we are trying to build an authentic, purpose-driven life, it is incredibly difficult to do so if we feel this way. So how do we cope with feeling a sense of emptiness? Prior to our discussion, Anne had posted on her social media a quote from poet Anais Nin about not being able to live in any of the worlds offered to her that she had to create one of her own. This concept is really at the core of the hardcore humanism philosophy, which is about peeling away the layers of expectations and mandates that are imposed upon us so that we can explore and connect with our authentic values, priorities, and selves. And during our discussion, Anne shares how she directly confronts her own sense of emptiness with techniques such as meditation and creativity to explore, understand, and cope with even her most painful feelings. So let's listen to what Anne has to say. Okay, Anne, welcome to the Hardcore Humanism Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So you have a new album coming out and a new song called Greed, which deals with a very interesting topic that... uh, many people are familiar with, but not that many people understand, which is the concept of emptiness and how people understand emptiness, how they cope with it, and how they cope with it in ways that are either adaptive or maladaptive. And so I thought we would just open up with, for you, just, you know, what the song is about and and kind of how you understand that concept of emptiness, which is directly referenced in the song. Mm, Well, um, in the song Greed... Uh, this song is about the idea that sometimes you'll put something forward that you think is really valuable and sacred, but it's rejected as being worthless, or in this case, being simply greed, you know, you want so much for yourself, and it's labeled greed, you know. Um, This is about personal things. This isn't about corporate greed or, you know, politician being greedy. This is about a very personal thing. And I think it's, um, it makes for the scary thing of balancing on the edge of the abyss, which 
is so terrifying and it's the worst, you know, it's the existential worst. It is. And one of the things you and I talked about right before the podcast was this, this really interesting quote from uh, poet Anais Nin, who talked about, amongst other things, that I could not live in any of the worlds offered to me. And eventually she comes to say, I had to create a world of my own. And what you're talking about is, is what happens to some degree when you're putting forth what you think is authentic, what you think is real, and what makes you feel fulfilled. And, and right. the world will not necessarily accept that, which is horrible at times. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's the worst kind of de- devalidation, <laughs> you know, especially if it comes from really close in to somebody that you super trust. And uh, for whatever reason, it's just like, no, nah, you're wrong. Uh, this is not valuable. You're, you're completely off base. You're being greedy. Uh, yeah. That's makes, makes you feel like nothing. Well, it's, it brings back that emptiness and you, you brought up the concept of existential and because, you know, there, there's, this idea that we are somehow alone in the world. And the only thing that's really certain is that we're alone and we're going to face death is something that can be incredibly frightening and finding meaning, finding purpose is somehow the oftentimes the best way for us to cope. And if someone takes that away from you, that, that sense of emptiness can be just absolutely overwhelming and paralyzing. Right. And, um, Therein lies the reason for the uh, constant existence of things like organized religion and uh, drug abuse, alcoholism, things like that. Things that just give you, however they do it, they give you a reason to get away from the sharp edge of that cold, hard, uh, nihilist reality, you know. Um, and then, but some people take a lot of, a lot of, uh, um, sustenance from, from the, from the existentialist writers that go, no, there really is nothing. And ain't it great? You know, (laughs) I I don't think most people can grok that really. Um, yeah, it's, it's terrifying. And I think as children, we're taught that, that magic is the, is the world. And when somebody goes in and speaks out against our early childhood training, you know, it just rocks us in this way that is so profound. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because the, the concepts of that people refer to as existential are, don't have to be frightening and they don't have to be scary. And if you can accept them, and then you could sort of be like, okay, I, I, I can live with this. I realize this. Now what? Right? That can be very powerful. But what you're talking about with yeah. early, early childhood, sometimes we teach people right from the get-go to be terrified of it and to avoid it. And, mm-hmm. if, and if you do that, that little moment, that little pivot is, can be it. You know, Once you get to avoiding those basic existential experiences, emptiness, loneliness, sort of that that feeling of like, what's my place in the world? If you can't look at that head on, 
I mean, you know, things like drugs, alcohol become, they make a lot of sense because those are going to be the things that, that do in fact take you away from that, that do help you avoid those feelings. Right. And just, just the whole feeling, I don't want to offend anyone, of course, but I mean, the, uh, uh, the whole thing of holding Jesus up as, as the ultimate opiate, it's like, like you don't have to worry about anything because Jesus is, he's not nothing. So, I mean, that's, that's a belief system that I think fills in a whole lot of emptiness for lots of people. And, and, you know, having said that, more power to them, whatever gets you through the night. But still, if you look at it in a cold, hard sort of Zen way, yourself is afraid. But the more scary thing and real thing is that there is no self. So, you know, what is there? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that people will use for recovery uh, in different programs like AA or et cetera, is this concept of a higher power. And there is something at least that I've seen working with people where sometimes people will say that you, all you have to think about is, is there something out there beyond you? You know, whatever, whatever your belief is in that. And, and that, that actually paradoxically, I think can be very, uh, fulfilling, for people to know that somehow they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And it, it kind of not only takes them out of their own space, but it sort of connects them in a way. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it kind of assuages a lot of guilt for being a fuck up, you know, um, in your own life. Um, and I don't mean to, say that I don't believe there's something beyond the self, because obviously there is. There's the whole of the universe, the whole of the cosmos, the just nature. If you look out in your backyard, you see the power that is beyond you, you know. Um, and if you realize that, that you're a part of that, then it's impossible to be an exist to be uh, in the abyss, or to think that it's terrifying because it's it just is you know i hate that phrase that everybody uses these days it is what it is it's such a chicken shit scapegoat way to just just get off the hook you know but <laughs> but in this case when we're talking about the the force or whatever you want to call it it is what it is and you're part of it well it's it's interesting because that idea of it is what it is okay now what? And, and, you know, just taking even from that same poem, and I'm taking this from, from something that you posted with Anais Nin, is that I, be, that I believe is the reason for every work of art. The idea that art somehow connects. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm kind of curious in terms of your personal process, because what a lot of people talk about is they don't write a song they discover a song or they don't they don't you know they don't carve a sculpture they they discover it and there is yeah, this feeling yeah. when people describe that that they're they're sort of connecting in with with not only with themselves but but them themselves in connection to the rest of the world and i'm kind of curious just in terms of your creative process either with greed or 
you know, the decades of music you've given us, like sort of how does that work for you? And does it address this sense of emptiness? It does. To answer the question backwards, back to front. Yeah, it, it does. And um, I totally uh, buy into and agree with the whole discovery idea, just like with a sculpture, there's this huge piece of marble and you just take away the extra to reveal what the stone is telling you. And that's how songs are written too. Just throw everything down that you possibly have in there and then start removing it bit by bit until you see the gem. Um, I think that I'm extremely blessed to be able to write <laughs> if I didn't have that, I think um, I'd be a whole other story at this point. Now, some, sometimes when people will listen to someone in your position talk about feelings of emptiness, you know, a lot of us, I would, I would include myself in this, grew up and one of the things when we feel empty that we would do is we would listen to music. And sometimes the music would just, and, and, and I know for myself, like I couldn't really explain to you why I could walk home and feel alone and then listen to music I like, including yours, and, and somehow feel connected and, and fulfilled and not empty. And sometimes that would even be, you know, people like myself sitting there with a, you know, a tennis racket or a hairbrush, you know, and sort of pretending to be you or Nancy or whomever, you know? So the question that I guess I, I have is that you had that, you had that throughout your life. That was you, you weren't imitating anybody. And yet right. there were times when it, you still felt prey to that emptiness. And I'm kind of curious in those moments, like did, did something happen with your connection to yourself or the music that was all of a sudden different? I think that, that um, yeah, I think at different points in my life, in my own development as a child into an adult, you go through things like um, puberty, you know, things like that, that all of a sudden you're like, hey, what am I? You know, I'm feeling all these things so devoutly, like everything's a big drama now and everything's too sad or wildly happy, you know, I mean, those those things um, have created a space for music to come in and equalize us, you know, like, especially music that, words that are universal, that you can really relate to, like, hey, he's talking about me, you know, like, that's me in this song. That's this person that I know in this song. Those are all really unifying things with the world. Like you say, it's, it's those things are a blessing. Because it's it's not drugs, it's not organized religion. That's a pure opiate. It's it's um, it's seeing yourself in this constellation, which is more how I think things really are. You're like one star out there among billion billions. Um, yeah, the joining is necessary for to keep us with these great big flawed brains from 
from falling into the hole, the black hole. And, you know, one of the things that, that I'll talk about with people is that there's oftentimes this moment in your life. And, you know, we're, we're talking about this idea of where there's a world out there that is telling you to go right. And, and you decide right isn't for me. I feel empty over here on the right. I want to go left. Right. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious just for you, if, if you can remember a time or, or a particular time where you really felt like I, I could have fallen into the abyss, but, but, and here's why, but here's what I did to get out because there's so many people, you know, the goal is people listening to this will, will be like, I'm in that place, but you know, if Ann Wilson can do it, maybe I can do it too. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, there've been a few times in my life when I've come really close to the edge of, uh, completely losing track of what we call reality just because I've got this huge broad imagination that's always busy. And, um, like for one thing is I've always had a really difficult time accepting the idea that, that there is a single reality. When I was a kid, I even went, what, what reality are they talking about? You know, there's hundreds of them and they're all interconnected. And why is one more acceptable or more real than, than any other one? For instance, why is the dream state considered to be um, less than the waking state? Why do people go, well, you know, you should get up and get out of bed because you're wasting your life just dreaming all the time. The dream state, I think, is just, just another part of our consciousness. It's just another room. Um, so, yeah, I've had lots of times when I just could not agree with what I was being told was the right way to be. And, um, hey, come on. you know, <laughs> Boy, when I think of what it was like in high school, for instance, um, and sure, I was like a little loner art student kid with the, who just hung out with the other loner art student kids and was not popular was not a cheerleader or a straight A student or anything like that. Those were some of the times when I realized that, boy, I'm super different and I just cannot fake it to be part of this reality. You know, um, more people have that feeling than let on, I think. And they just, they make a decision at some point that they're going to fake it until they make it in reality or they're, gonna be outliers yeah and it's such an interesting thing you're talking about imagination because there is a way that it would be so simple i don't know if it would be easy but it would be so simple for us to just embrace instead of the question of what are you talking about being like hey what are you talking about you know that's 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 the same question asked in an entirely different way and that's the difference between a kid with an imagination being like, oh, cool, I have something good going on. Like people are kind of curious about it, or interested. Maybe I'm going to add something to the conversation to being made to feel right. like you're weird and, and, and weird isn't yeah. good. And, 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 yeah. and for a kid who has imagination and who's animated in that way and all the potential ways that that can help someone cope with emptiness and loneliness and 
being able to yeah. be in your own head and and to be told that that needs to be shut down. I mean, that's just just like you know, I mean, it just that's just like you know, to the extent that someone believes in a soul, that is just like the door closing on that, you know. And right. it's, it's, yeah. And I don't know why we do that because nobody likes it, but we all do it to some nobody, extent. Yeah, and it, it's it's just because at some point in our lives we were we were trained to believe that there's a way of being that's right. And that's it. It's the straight and narrow, you know, it's, it's the hard edges of reality that of acceptable reality that makes it easy to live together and in, in an anthill. Um, I just think that one day when they start to be able to actually study the soul, the topography of what's the soul actually is all that's going to change yeah and it's it's interesting because you know as we're talking i mean i just i'm I'm imagining back even to you know back in the 70s or whatever where the idea of what what you guys did and i think it's it it's so hard for people now to i mean don't get me wrong i think sexism is still very present still very powerful in music and the whole world but but I don't think people if they weren't there would realize how groundbreaking what you guys were doing right this like if you think we're talking about imagination it's like well I I can rock like that maybe I can rock better than yeah. that and and Why and, and yeah and, and and just to imagine what would have happened if you guys had decided oh maybe I can't you know what I'm I'm going to go do something yeah. else and and it's it's just you know that that uh, I, I'm kind of curious in talking about this how I mean, there were so many powerful forces pushing against that in that time. And being a, being a rock star in and of itself was, was not something that was really accepted. You know, now like right. kids can, kids yeah. can have a, a side hustle and it's, it's, it's quirky and there's the internet and you can find it, but just being a rock star, but being, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but being a woman wanting to be a hard rock star at that point was not something that was accepted. And I, I'm just kind of curious, how did you guys, were you guys able to just be like, well, I, I conceive it, so I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah, well, well, you're right. At, at that point in the early 70s, when we first started, um, that idea that a woman could be a hard rock star was laughable, you know, the sexism, was and is still so systemic that that no one even considered it. It's just when you start trying to do it and these little subtle but ironclad things get thrown up as obstacles in your path, or maybe even worse than that, the just the ridicule and lack of credibility that gets awarded to you, <laughs> that, that in itself was pretty disheartening disillusioning no and and it's and it's amazing considering that you know it's and and there was and even in the face of concrete examples right mm -hmm. hit records i mean it's not this isn't a this isn't a, a a sort of again like we've taken it out of the imagination and we put it into concrete songs numbers money coming in and still having to face that it's, it's just, again, like you're sort of thinking, you know, we're talking about this original concept of 
I just, I just want to, I just want to express myself. I just want to be authentically me. Why on earth would anybody be invested in not allowing that to happen? Yeah. Well, don't get me started on this. <laughs> you know, I have a, I've got this theory that that it has a lot to do with vive la différence, you know, and and if those, if the age old difference between the sexes um, is beat down, then how about procreation? If women all of a sudden become super intelligent, not sexy, see what happens? It's just, it breaks down the whole human um, progression of trying to, perpetuate the species if women are out there doing rock instead of having babies, you know, uh, I don't know if I'm expressing that is, I'll clearly. tell you what, that is a whole entire different conversation. Cause that, that is, yeah. but let me, um, um, you know, just in terms of what we're talking about, you know, anything that you wanted to mention on this concept or about the new record or anything like that. Well, this this concept is a whole dinner times debate and and discussion, <laughs> and I think it's been really great talking to you about it. It's, it's it's been really great. I just hope they'll dig the new album because there are many points on the record that are that are deep and profound and and just have that universal feeling that I hope people can latch onto and identify with. As somebody who grew up on your music, thank you for just continuing to do it. You know, it's in at different parts, different songs, kind of. I'm now it just in our in my head. I'm kind of wondering that we never got to talk about if alone had a double meaning that I missed growing up. Uh, you know, I'm starting to rethink of a lot of the songs in this context and wondering if I like if I missed part of it the whole time and if a lot of it was under in this concept and so. Thank you for uh, you know continuing to do what you do because it makes it a little bit easier for the rest of us to cope with some of these things that we're talking about right now. Well, that is lovely. That is makes it all worthwhile. So there you have it. Anne Wilson talking about how she understands and copes with feelings of emptiness. I want to highlight one of the things that she discusses in reference to her song, Greed. As Anne described, there are times in our lives when we put something out there in the world and it is treated as worthless or even greedy. These are invalidating reactions to our attempts to explore and express our authentic selves. And this invalidation can be in response to many different ways that we express ourselves, such as our gender identity or sexuality, or even a career aspiration such as a goal or a piece of art. Or we can even be invalidated when we share something painful, such as a mental health struggle. But whatever it is, there may be people who invalidate our feelings, who make us feel that our feelings are worthless, offensive, or even a sign that we have sinister intent, such as when Anne felt that others interpreted her aspirations as greedy. And the truth is that sometimes we may even absorb and adopt those beliefs ourselves. And those experiences, whether from others or from ourselves, can leave us feeling empty and disconnected. 
One of the best things that we can do to combat this invalidation is to start with the premise of being curious and open to how we think, feel, and what we like to do, rather than being critical or judgmental. This helps us begin a process of accepting, understanding, and connecting with ourselves and our feelings rather than avoiding how we feel and who we are. This can be accomplished by techniques such as meditation, journaling, exploring the types of art and music that we like, creating our own art, or even engaging in psychotherapy. And we can then see the people and circumstances that make us feel more connected as opposed to more empty and try to put more time and effort into those things and those relationships. Connecting with ourselves and our purpose in life is a forever journey. It's a constantly evolving process that starts with the basic idea that our feelings, values, and goals have worth and meaning. I want to thank my wife and Hardcore Humanism co-founder, Island Booman, for editing and producing this podcast, and my brothers in Odd Zero for letting us use Odd Zero music. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please write a review and share our podcast. And if you'd like to take the next step and make change in your life, check out the Hardcore Humanism therapy and coaching program at hardcorehumanism.com. So get at it, Hardcore Humans. See you next time.